We're going to be opening up in Isaiah 8 in a wee second, and we're going to be reading from just a couple of verses. And these verses in Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah is announcing that God is preparing a king that who will be a savior king, who will be a restorer, who will be a peace bringer. At this very time that Isaiah was speaking, there was no hope. It was dark. There was no future. It was a brutal time to be alive under King Ahaz or Ahaz. It was around seven, in the 700s BC. So that's the kind of when this was written. So we're going to read from Isaiah chapter 8. I'm going to ask my wonderful wife, Mary. Oh no, the Bibles are here. So I'm going to ask Sue. Sorry, love. Sorry, she's like, yes, this is my moment. Sue, could you be our Bible distributor? And also, we have for our youth, or for anyone, sermon notes. Yes. So there's a little bit in this. What is today's passage about? What are the main sermon headings? How does this passage connect to Jesus? There's a bit for doodles. You want to make some doodles? How does this affect you? Is there something you should do, think about, believe, or prayer, pray about? What questions do you have? What verses stand out to you? So if anyone wants them, Gavin, could you dish them out and stick a hand in the air? Kev, Kev has pens. We've got lots of people doing lots of things here. So just everyone stick their hands up and we'll get something out to you. So if you need a pen, Kev will get you a pen. If you need one of those sheets, adults as well, we'd love you to fill one out them. But the youth as well, we'd love you to fill them out, youth as well. And if you need a Bible, if you don't have a Bible at home, we'd love you to have a Bible at home. Isaiah 8, we're starting at verse 22 in Isaiah 8. And it should be on the screen behind me as well. So Isaiah 8, verse 22. It says this. Then they will look towards the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom, and they will be thrust into utter darkness. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan." The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation, increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. And then if we go to verse 6, for to us a child is born. For to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Amen. Amen. We are in the second Sunday of Advent this morning. And Advent is a season of expectant waiting and preparation for the celebration of Jesus being born, the birth of Jesus. And traditionally, there would be four candles that we light. Can't do so because of health and safety reasons in the academy. But uh, traditionally, you would light four candles for the four weeks of Advent, the four Sundays of Advent. And they symbolize hope, they symbolize peace, joy, and love. We looked last week at waiting well. What does it look like to wait well in this season? What, what, what do, how do we do that? 
How do we posture ourselves? How do we wait with expectation? How do we wait in space, with space around us? And how do we wait with hope in this season? We learned last week that within the waiting, that's not a passive thing. It's not like waiting on a bus. It's active. It's a verb. It's a doing word. And uh, next week, we will literally carry joy as we have a Christmas party together as a church family in amongst the carols and a little share point around joy. So that will be our Advent moment around joy. And then on the 23rd, we're going to be looking a little bit within the Christingo uh, moment at love. At love. So we're actually covering the four weeks of Advent as a church family. I wonder for each of us right now what our Christmas lists look like. Yeah, I wonder what our Christmas lists look like if we have Christmas lists. I wonder if you have given your spouse or your friend or a family member a little nudge. You know, a little direction for what you're, what you're looking at. Maybe, uh, maybe you've passed it in the shop and you went, ah, just over there. Oh, isn't that? Or you just went overboard on an item that you've seen or an advert that comes on. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be brilliant? You know, you're just really, really egging them on to this is the moment, this is the thing. I've done a few of these of the aforementioned kind of activities to kind of uh, let Mary know. And I am in a season of Advent for the results of those, uh, those nudges. Love will definitely remain. <laughs> there will definitely be joy in the unwrapping. There will be peace for the reality of what's underneath the wrapping paper and hope that next year it might be exactly what I've asked for. But anyway, <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. It all fitted together so well, I had to say that. I've been reading a book called Hidden Christmas by Tim Keller. If you're looking for a little book to journey through Advent, it's not too late and it's, it's quite, it's, I think it's $3.99 on the Kindle, so it's not too expensive. And uh, one or two bits that I'm drawn from today's talk will be from uh, Tim Keller who sadly passed this year, but incredible man of God with Jesus now. He says this, part of the joy of Christmas is about receiving presents, but consider how challenging it is to receive certain kind of gifts. Some gifts by their very nature make you swallow your pride. Imagine opening a gift on Christmas morning from a friend and it's a dieting book. Then you take another ribbon and a wrapper off another present and you find that it's a book that's entitled Overcoming Selfishness. If you say to them, thank you so much, you're in a sense admitting, for indeed I am fat and obnoxious. In other words, gifts. Some gifts are hard to receive. Some gifts are hard to receive because to do so is to admit that you have flaws, you have weaknesses, and you need help. And I think for me, that includes getting a book one year, How to Be a Better Team Player. And I'm like, oh, oh, how to be a better team player. Anyway, if that's happened to you, you probably found that to receive the gift meant swallowing your pride, realizing our shadows and realizing our gaps but here's the line. Here's the line that got me. There's never been a gift offered that makes you swallow your pride to the depths that the gift of Jesus Christ requires us to do. Christmas means that we are so lost. We are so unable to save ourselves that nothing less than the death of the Son of God Himself could save us. That means 
that you're not somebody who can pull yourself together and live a moral and good life. That's why we're here, isn't it? We can't do it alone. We need God. And I feel that lands really well, really well this morning, this Advent Sunday. I feel it's a word. I feel it's a gift that we have to realize our shortcomings and gaps and that every one of us needs saving. Every one of us here this morning will never find contentment and fulfillment in life without Jesus. So we are going to be looking at peace. And when it comes to peace, I wonder what the word peace conjures up as I mention it for you, uh, right where you are in life's situation. For me, it means a number of things. It means that sigh, and we had somebody pray this morning that it would be like, ah, it'd be like that for many of us coming in. They had a sense that for one or for many of us coming in that might feel like that as we come into God's presence, that, ah, I'm here with God. But for me, it's that sigh and look of, uh, I've said, completeness towards Mary at the end of the day as we sit ourselves down with a tea and the boys are asleep and there's not a peep as we tiptoe around the house to get, uh, get a cup of tea and a wee biscuit and sit down and we look at each other. <sighs> We've made it. Another day. And we have about 20 minutes before we need to go to bed. We did it. Another uh, thing that peace conjures up in my mind is walking in green, just the last year especially, just nature, just around trees and around just nice walks out in the open, in the clear air, away from cars, away from noise. We were out yesterday, I was out yesterday with the three boys and I just said, breathe it in boys, this air's different. <laughs> it is, it totally is, it totally is. I was saying, fill your lungs, in through your nose and out through your mouth. And they're like, Dad, be quiet, as they ran and climbed another tree and there's something so peaceful and magnificent about creation where I think peace dwells. It's also moments with God in prayer when there's no need to speak. When you're just, you just know you're in His presence. Knowing in my waiting and all the stuff that's swirling around and all the stresses and worries, that He's there in that very moment. And this is a moment in that very moment. This second Advent Sunday traditionally represents peace. Pope Francis prays this, may we be in this world a ray of light which shone forth from Bethlehem, bringing joy and peace to the hearts of all men and women. Love that. It can be difficult to look at the, world, the word peace when we look around and we read papers and watch the news when there's so little peace. There's conflict and war around the globe. We have Ukraine, we have Israel and Hamas, we have Sudan, we have the Yemen, to name a few. There's loads that we could list off. There's a lot of areas in our world, in the nations that are lacking peace. Our own lives as well can be real demonstrations of that lack. Whether it be family relations, whether it be family breakdowns, whether it be relational tensions with people around our lives, whether it be workplace dynamics and conflicts within there, whether it be stress and constant pressure that we're living with. So a lot of us here may feel we lack peace. Advent gives us an opportunity 
to fix our eyes on Jesus, on the coming of the Savior, the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. The Isaiah prophecy that we read at the beginning is a declaration of hope. It's, it's a declaration that things will change. There is a coming king. Peace is coming. And this word shalom comes into play, uh, which I shared on, if you get our Fast Friday email, uh, I shared it a couple of weeks ago. And I, I think I shared it in a talk maybe a couple of years ago or a year and a half ago uh, around shalom. There's a brilliant little video from the Bible Project. If you are a visual person, can I encourage you? Because I love visuals. I'm such a a visual learner. The Bible Project is absolute gold. They have little four or five minute videos all illustrated that you can watch on all sorts of books of the Bible, characters of the Bible, themes. They also have a giant book, which is about this size. It's every book in the Bible illustrated, and it's just beautiful. It's too big for a coffee table, but it's just, I got it one Christmas. It's wonderful. If, you, if you're a visual learner, I encourage you to explore the Bible Project this week. But they speak, have a video on peace, and in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. In the New Testament, the Greek word is irene, irene. And the most basic meaning of shalom is complete or whole. If the word can refer to a stone that is perfect, it's a whole shape with no cracks. It's like a perfect stone. It can also refer to a completed stone wall. So a completed stone wall that has no gaps, no missing bricks. So shalom, shalom refers to something that's complex with lots of pieces that's in a state of wholeness, in a state of completeness. It's like in the Old Testament when Job says, Job says his tents are in a state of shalom because he counted his flock and no animals are missing. It's in a state of shalom. It's in a state of completeness. Also, when David visited his brothers on the battlefield, he asked about their shalom. The core idea for us, how do we translate that, is that life is complex. Life is complex for each and every one of us. There's loads of moving parts. There's loads of plates spinning in relationships and situations. And when any of these go missing or are out of alignment, our shalom breaks down. Life is no longer whole. It needs to be restored. So for Isaiah, to the people who are ruled by the wicked and corrupt King Ahaz, this is what's coming. Isaiah is sharing, this is what's coming. This shalom is coming. This king is coming, which will bring, he will bring walls that will be, he will restore the walls. He will bring completeness. He will bring wholeness. He will bring shalom. He is the prince of peace. It's a turnaround moment because you read in the very first verses of that passage that I read, despair, darkness, utter darkness. From despair, we see elation. From valleys, we see mountains. In a moment, in a moment, we see the response of joy. We actually see in the passage the increase of joy. So from utter despair to the increase of joy as a result of shalom, the prince of peace, shalom arriving. What a reminder this morning. What a reminder for each and every one of us this morning. We see in this passage freedom from oppression, from the political and governmental reign of that time with the king, but we also see spiritual day-to-day -day 
oppression, real life stuff, that freedom has come, and that's because of Jesus. Freedom has come because of Jesus. Freedom from oppression. Freedom from fear. Freedom from shame. Freedom from failure. Freedom from comparison. Freedom from guilt. Freedom from bitterness. Freedom from habitual sinful habits. Freedom when our lives feel shackled. Free in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. A turnaround moment. We worship right now in this very moment. A turnaround God. A turnaround God. Distress, darkness, gloom, utter darkness. This was grim. This was these people's lives. That's all they knew. No hope. This was their future. This was their story. This is how they would end up. To all of a sudden, a great light and joy. And the foundation of this turnaround moment, we see in verse 6, for unto us a child is born. Chains will be broken because of Jesus. God initiated this reconciliation process, even though we regularly offend him. Even though he is an innocent party. What a different kind of king. Our prince of peace, our prince of shalom. You know, the reality is in that time, most kings, if you offended them, let them down, their response would be terrible. Their response, they would maybe make you crawl back on your knees to them in order to clear up the offense. There would be something that would needed to be done in return. It perhaps would have been quite brutal. But the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians says, it was God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. God was reconciling the world to himself. God didn't wait for us to reconcile ourselves to him. He reconciled himself to us. How did he do that? How did God make peace with us. The Apostle Paul says it's through Jesus Christ, through the child that was born, through the one Isaiah called the Prince of Peace. God didn't say to us, you know what, what you've done is no big deal. I'm too busy running the cosmos and getting the planets turning, keeping the sun going, to worry about the crazy things you get up to and all the stuff that you conjure up. Our king cares. Jesus cares this morning. He cares about the wars that are happening. He cares when we get hurt. He cares when we're in pain. He cares. He cares. He cares if you've been betrayed. He cares about the way that we get greedy or when we manipulate, or when we deceive, or when we do wrong. He cares. God, our creator, cares. And the way that he deals with our offenses, and the way he cares, is Jesus. Is Jesus bearing our sins on a cross, satisfying the demands of God's justice by being our substitute and dying in our place. God cares this morning, so much so that he sent Jesus. So much so. The Apostle Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 5, 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us 
so that in him we might become righteousness of God. Most of us will understand what God is saying and what Paul is saying in this moment. That as horrible as the physical suffering that Jesus went through, as horrible as the cross was for the Prince of Peace, as horrible as the beating, the physical beatings that he took, the mocking that he took, as horrible as it was to have a spear driven into his side. When we pause and look at our Prince of Peace on a cross, what ought to draw our attention is not just his physical suffering, but his spiritual suffering, that he became sin for us. He became sin for us. Wow. 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 Tim Keller in his book continues with uh, another couple of lines I just want to share. If Jesus Christ is really mighty God and everlasting Father, you can't just like him. In the Bible, the people who actually saw and heard Jesus never reacted indifferently or even mildly. We never read of them just, oh, there's Jesus. Never just shrug their shoulders. Once they realized what he was claiming about himself, either they were absolutely scared of him or furious with with him, or they knelt down before him and worshipped him. But nobody simply just liked him. I love that. Nobody simply just went, oh, Jesus, yeah, I like him. If the baby born at Christmas is the mighty God, then you must serve him completely. If Jesus is wonderful counselor, prince of peace, we should want to serve him. We should want to serve him. And serving him completely means that we become peacemakers, We carry peace. We carry that peace as well. God blesses those people who make peace. They will be called his children. We read in Matthew 5, verse 9. Remember that quote I mentioned from Pope Francis. May we be in this world. May we be in Inverness, a ray of light which shone forth from Bethlehem, bringing joy and peace to the hearts of all men and women. That same light that shone in darkness, bringing peace, we are invited to receive it afresh over the broken walls of shalom. We are invited to bring the shackled areas of our lives. I don't know each and everything that's going on in our lives, but perhaps there's some shackles this morning. We are invited to bring those shackled areas of our lives to him afresh this morning, to find freedom and to find restoration to the walls of our lives. And we are called to bring that light to others around us, to be peacemakers, to carry his presence. Somebody prayed this morning that one candle, one candle can shine a light in a, in, in a dark place. You think of a, the darkest of places, one candle changes everything. We, may we know the places of darkness that we are to go and shine and bring Jesus, to be peacemakers, to carry his presence into the dark places, to remember that he doesn't ever leave us, to remember that he has a plan, just as Isaiah had prophesied. So we see a transformation from utter darkness to joy. There's an invitation this Advent, this second Advent Sunday, to find, to receive his peace that surpasses all understanding.
I was praying that this morning, this week for somebody before I actually prepared this talk. Lord, would we just receive your peace, a supernatural peace, that when we step into places, when everything else is hurried and worried, that we would carry your peace into situations. I want to know that more. I want to know that more. And a great reminder just to finish on, and then we'll have an opportunity to pray and to wait on the Holy Spirit from Hidden Christmas, the book from Tim Keller. He mentions this. This great victory over evil, and what a great reminder this is, will not require our strength. We don't need a warrior's boot. We won't need an armor or a sword. Melt them down. Burn them up. Someone else will do your fighting for you. And that someone is Jesus. So my prayer for each and every one of us, for each and every one of our households, as we journey over these coming weeks, is that peace be with you. Peace be in you. In the very depths of our souls, would peace just land and plant itself in a new way right now, Holy Spirit. And would peace be flowing from us in the spaces that we go into, in the spaces that we go into and we don't want to go into, in the spaces that we know we need to step into, in the spaces that we feel really weary, in the spaces that we feel really heavy, in the spaces where we don't have the answers, in the spaces where we're looking forward to going to. I pray that we would be peace carriers, that we would be that little candle in the dark spaces this Advent season. Amen. Amen. Why don't we all stand?